0: We're going to be in Luke chapter 10. <coughs> we're making our way through. Making our way through here. That's <laughs> right. Maybe. <laughs> All right. We're going to be in uh, Luke chapter, 20, chapter 10, ver- starting in verse 25. The good old Samaritan. Then an expert in the law stood up to test him, saying, teacher, what must I do? To inherit eternal life well what's written in the law he asked him how do you read it how do you understand it he answered love the Lord your God with all your heart with all of your soul with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself you have answered correctly he told him do this and you will live but wanting to justify himself he asked Jesus "Mm, and, and who is my neighbor Snooty McSnooty Pants. Jesus uh, took up the question and said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him, beat him, and fled, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that road. When he saw him, he passed by on the other side. In the same way, a Levite, when he arrived at the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But... A Bozemanite, I'm kidding, a Samaritan on his journey came up to him and when he saw the man, he had compassion. He went over to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on olive oil and wine. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him. When I come back, I'll reimburse you for whatever extra cost you spend. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? Well, the one who showed mercy to him, he said. Then Jesus told him, go and do the same. Jesus, we pray this morning that you would give us clarity. God, that you would give us a change of heart, a change of mind, a change of spirit, and a change of body here this morning. As we love you with all we are, and learn, Lord Jesus, this morning who you want us to be. The good that you desire f- for us to be and to do. God, be with us here. Stir within us. Let this be a pivotal time in our lives as we open up your word. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. You may have a seat. <laughs> God is good. Amen. There it is. All the time. God is good. Well, so this morning, we are going to be talking about this fun little word called tov. It's kind of fun, fun word. Tov is Hebrew for good, which I'll get to here in just a second. <clears throat> but as we get into our passage here this morning, what is the title usually in your Bibles? What does it say? The Parable of the Good Samaritan, the good Samaritan right? The Parable of the Good Samaritan. So we're going to look into that word good here this morning, that word good or Tove is going to define our, 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 our morning here today. And how do we develop a culture of Tove? Well, let's look at this passage for here just to, just to address what's going on here. So an expert in the law. This, you know, some translations might say a lawyer uh, in there. So basically this is a, if you've seen The Chosen, even Nicodemus stands before this guy in Capernaum, and he's, he's you know, talking about you know, the law and stuff like that. And it's almost like this kind of almost judge dude who's a lawyer and expert in the law and how it should be practiced by everyone and everyone in that town follows what this lawyer or the expert in the law so jesus is coming before a guy who's very powerful and very influential in in this town and so he stands up to test him now have we ever seen areas of testing in our own life it was yesterday Um, there was a a lady at camp and she sent her husband to go get her a bag of chips. While he was going to get a bag of chips. Well, he said, what kind do you like? What kind would you like? And she said, surprise me. You men know what I'm talking about, that feeling. Shoot. This is a test. How much do I love my wife? How much do I know my wife, which equals how much do I love my wife? <laughs> so this is a test. Jesus is facing a test, even worse than a spousal test. <laughs> this man is setting, standing up and testing him in the law. And Jesus responds with a parable of Goodness. Even, so this passage, um, when it talks about, like this this is where we get a lot of our basis um, for this concept of loving the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength, and with all of your mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Now we've seen this in another part of scripture where this guy asks Jesus, what is the greatest commandments? And Jesus says these two, and so maybe this guy is espousing what Jesus had taught before, or maybe Jesus, you know, is using this conversation later. But what we see in this is that basically this is the, the wrapping up of all of the law and the prophets. And if you love the Lord your God, be devoted to him with everything that you are. Because the ancient, ancient Jewish mind didn't see, you know, body, mind, heart, and soul as separate entities. To treat one, to address one, or to be suffering in one was the whole thing. So if you were suffering physically, your emotions were hurting, your body, your, Of course, your body was hurting, your, your emotions were hurting, your, your mind was hurting in pain, and your soul was hurting. Everything about you was, in, was, was directly influenced by what was happening in one of those areas in your life, because it was the whole person. And so what Jesus is saying here is, "Love God with your entire being. And love the Lord, love your neighbor as yourself. Love, the, you love your neighbor. Which I'll we'll get to a little bit, little, little bit later too, but that's one of the only, that you know, love your neighbor as yourself is the, is the only kind of thing that is perpetuated throughout the rest of the New Testament. The rest of the New Testament is all about that one anothering because they kind of assume that you're in the church because you love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength. And they have other ways of, of addressing that and saying that, you know, giving the, the glory to the Lord. But what Jesus is saying here is it's not about the law. What Jesus is saying in this passage of loving the Lord your God, he doesn't say obey the law. He doesn't say obey the Lord. Obey the law. Stand upright in what you do. He says love. Be steadfast. Remember that word agape, that word chesed in the Hebrew, to have a steadfast, faithful, loyal devotion to God in everything that you do body, mind, heart, and soul, and have a steadfast, loyal love, devotion to your neighbor, to others. What Jesus is pinpointing here is he is, try- is trying to get this guy to, to realize that it's not about the law. It's about developing a culture of tov, a culture of good. Now let's look at that word good. Good. Tov, so, so the, word, the word tov, like I said, is the Hebrew word for good. But what does that entail? Because like chesed and like agape, it's, kinda, it's got baggage wrapped around it. A lot of beautiful baggage. I'm going to probably be, be using that from now on. Beautiful baggage uh, in, these, in these words. Good, that which is pleasing and pleasant, what is desirable, what is of high quality, and the state of everything in its proper place doing its proper task, that which causes or brings flourishing. So I would say as shalom is to flourishing, like we said, like life in the Garden of Eden as it was, as it was meant to be, as God designed and created everything to be, right? So as shalom is to that, so good, it, you know, as tov is to good. And what good is, is the ultimate good, which causes shalom. It is the nature of, of things in and among flourishing. It's what causes flourishing. is people living in tov. When you live in tov, everything is in shalom. The lion laying down with the lamb. Because they have a tov relationship. And because they have a tov relationship, everything flourishes. Man and woman were naked and unashamed because they had a tov relationship. And that tov was what was broken at the fall, when they sinned. And the flourishing was broken down. It's like shalom is the entity and tov are the connections. Like in your brain, you've got the little synapses. So shalom is your brain and tov is the synapses firing all in your brain. Millions and millions of synapses in your brain. All the connections. Tov is the connection to flourishing. Good. Good what God designed and desires for our moral and ethical virtues. Loving what God loves. Calling good what God calls good. In every word, every deed. Goodness. One of the, this this word, ring a bell, goodness is one of the What? Anyone? Fruit of the Spirit. It's one of the fruit of the Spirit. This is, and the fruit of the Spirit is the evidence of the presence of God. It is is evidence of spiritual health. Like Jesus referred to the fig tree. He he came to a fig tree that was in leaf. It It was a little bit early for that. And he went up to there to see if there was any fruit. And there was no fruit. And so he cursed it like curse you and there was a whole parable behind beside that we'll get to that in a couple years Um, (laughs) but he came to the fig tree and he saw that there was no fruit because what is the fruit indicative of fruit is the evidence of a healthy tree there's even a parable about that as well a story about this guy who wanted to uproot and chop down this tree. The guy was like, no, 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 let me you know, dig a trench and do some newer and get, do some fertilizer and water it for it and give me a year. Give me a year to help this tree flourish. <coughs> Jesus' question to this man, which of these men proved to be a neighbor and see the man as God sees him? Basically what Jesus was asking was, Which of these men proved to be good? That's what he's asking. Which one of these was exuding goodness? And this expert in the law was like trying to find a loophole. Man, do we do that? God says one thing and we're like, yes, I understand that, but But here's a little loophole around that to justify myself. I used to steal movies (laughs) all the time. All the time. I would download torrents galore. I had about 1,000 movies on my little hard drive. And God is like, I was like, I know. But I really want to watch it. Fine. Finally, I was like, all right, God, I am going to walk in good. So I went and deleted all the movies off my hard drive. Every single one of them, not one left. So all we have is our DVDs and Blu-rays. It's that inner voice that says, this is, a, this is good, because God is saying it's good. This is good. That's not. It's not just a simple thing of this is good and this is bad. It's that this is good and everything else outside of what God calls good is not good. Think about this. This is one of the very beginning, is like one of the very first words in all of scripture. God, what did he do? He created the world and all things in it. The very first things. He created this and he created that and he saw that it was good. The light was good. God separated these things. He saw all these things. God called these things sky and, and, and moon and stars and then he got to the creation of man and what did he say? That is very good and then he said saw the man that the man was alone he said that is not good because god's assumption is that he didn't have to call it bad or evil because anything outside of what he is and who he is as good is not good And so we cannot justify and say Well, just do this. It's not bad necessarily. It's just maybe not always good. He's trying to justify himself by saying, "Okay, that might not might." You know, I want to figure out a way to not be good, but not be evil. Trying to justify myself, and I am the king of justification. (laughs) I can justify myself in my in my own mind and my own decisions, and God is bringing me into a new season in my in my mind, not just simply of of sin, but just you know just of knowing what I need to do, knowing where I need to step into. I try to justify myself to not do certain things. It's not bad, it's not evil, but I'm not doing what I know God is calling me and telling me to do and to step into. Can, you guys, can I, Am I? are you guys tracking? Are you, am I the only one alone? Am I alone in that? No, no right? <laughs> and so we need to develop a culture of Tov in our personal lives, and in God's church, in, in, in shift church here. This is our desire here as we, as we come together to meet together. So this is our main, our main thought here this morning, is to develop a culture of tov, of goodness, of what God calls good, and create shalom in our church, in our personal lives, and in God's church. Now I want to kind of do a little, a little, little alliteration to kind of make that uh, memorable. So Tove truly optimal virtues. And like we're saying like this is the epitome and this should be the standard of our moral and ethical virtues. So tov is truly optimal virtues. Write that down if you, if you have a way. This is, this is what God is, saying. You know, Jesus is saying to his disciples when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Not just the access point but the way of living. This is the way in which we live, the way in which we think. And does Tov truly define the way in which we think, the way in which we live our lives? To pursue and and fill our minds, to fill our hearts, to fill our spirits and our body with truly optimal virtues. I would kind of associate virtues with ethics. Our beliefs about how we live out our morals like and let me let me go back to there and just and and to remind us of, of that sermon a long time ago that morals are the core of who we are the core of our beliefs that defines everything of who we are as a person I am a Christian you are a Christian a believer a saint and believing that that is my moral moral compass and so I, and, and so therefore, I believe certain things are moral, very, very into the deep core of my being. That abortion is wrong, murder is wrong, theft is wrong. Which is why it was so hard to steal all those movies, so for so long, because the Holy Spirit just kept convicting me for the, all those years. <laughs> Let the thief no longer steal. He kept saying that. I was like, I got it, God. I don't want movies. I don't want to pay for them. I'm poor. <laughs> As an intern in Seattle. <laughs> but he it is, so the morals are who we are and our ethics and our virtues, character, are how we live those morals out. Like I don't bomb, go bomb a, a Planned Parenthood because I believe that abortion is wrong. Because I also believe that murder is wrong. But I don't go and do certain things and just destroy people and and argue with people and just belittle people because they don't agree with my morals. The way in which I live out my morals also has to have high character and virtues and ethics. So how you live out those morals is your ethic in certain areas. And so that's what we're, we're talking about here is having truly optimal virtues. Goodness. First Thessalonians says, "See that no one repays evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good for one another and for all." I want to read from 1 Peter chapter eight. I'm sorry, for chapter three, uh, and we're going to start in verse eight here. <coughs> Finally, all of you be like-minded and sympathetic, love one another, and be compassionate and humble, not paying back evil for evil or insult for insult. But on the contrary, giving a blessing because you were called to this, so that you may inherit a blessing. Now, the reason why we're reading all this, I'm going to continue on here, is to see in the church how Paul is—I'm sorry—how Peter is trying to get us as the church to live into this goodness culture, into this Tove culture in the church. For the one who wants to love his life and to see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit and let him turn away from evil and do what is good let him seek peace and pursue it because the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer but the face of the Lord is against the one who uh, the, against those who do what is evil then uh, who then will harm harm you if you are devoted to what is good But even if you should suffer for righteousness, you are blessed. Do not fear them or be intimidated, but in your hearts regard Christ the Lord as holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do this with gentleness and reverence, keeping a clear conscience so that when you are accused, those who disparage your good conduct in Christ will be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will, then for doing evil. So this is this whole concept that we need to cultivate, and we need to develop this culture of tove. Or even specifically, I would even say, let's go back to, to, that, uh, to verse 11. "Let him seek peace, or you know, Shalom," as it says in the Hebrew, "Seek Shalom and pursue it. Pursue Shalom, Seek Shalom, pursue Shalom. Even if we are lost, we don't know how or where to start. We start with the, the, with the thought and the heart and the desire to pursue it. To pursue Tov. Pursue goodness. So, how do we do this? Well, first, let's look at that. We need to develop a culture of Tov. And two things, like, like our point number one, our personal lives. What does it look like for you to seek peace and pursue it, to to desire and to develop and pursue a a culture of Tov in your own heart, in your own mind? How do you fill your mind with what is good, with the knowledge of what is good? We have to pick this up. We got to pick this up we have got to pick up the, the word of God to read it and know because the words of Jesus are all over this. His, his, his word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the, to, the, to the heart and the soul, the division of heart and soul, to the division of bone and marrow. It will teach us what is good. It will teach us the way to think, And the way to act the way to speak the way to interpret because oftentimes some a lot of the the difficulty in my life I don't know about yours is interpreting the things that happen in my life not just trying to justify them or turn them into good or try to you know belittle them but to be honest and say that is good or that is not good so where's the good that I need to pursue Division and arguments and frustrations are not good. They don't create flourishing in the home, in our personal lives. Seek peace and pursue it because it is good. It creates a culture of good in your home. Pray, ask the Lord to reveal to you what does it look like to pursue Tove in our family to to pursue and develop a culture of Tove in my home, and God will take these things as we, as you start to develop and, and and grow a knowledge in all these things as you get more intimate and more intimate and more intimate in in uh, in Jesus within what He has said. Read, read even the, even read the Old Testament, reading the, the Proverbs and the Psalms and Haggai. We're in Haggai this this week and it is so good so good all these prophetic words even the ones that are hard he's showing us what is good and what is not good Israel was good at some points and not good a lot of times and so we can learn what is good by seeing how Israel was walking in what was not good it is good to worship the Lord our God and serve him only it is not good to sacrifice your children to Molech it is good to go and, and worship and sing songs of worship to the Lord it is not good to go out and participate in the pagan activity of the world learn from Israel we learn from our own lives don't we not but for them it was just normal culture around them where in our culture around us are we participating in the pagan activities that are actually not good for us and our families and filling our lives filling our minds With that which is not good because the Lord will bring those up the Lord will bring those to your attention the Lord will bring those those that sense of conscience to you and if we walk in those things if we if we walk in the spirit and and we we hear a thought from the Lord and we walk in it it is good and it will create goodness but if we don't it turn it is it is sin it it turns in our in our minds and it turns in our in our spirit and it makes us uncomfortable and to walk in a in a constant state of ugh, always walking in that you which you know you are not supposed to do is not who you are is a terrible existence. When I were when I deleted all those over a thousand movies off of my hard drive, it sucked. I was like, oh, that means I can't watch this. But I felt this weight fall off of me when I walked in what was good and when I walked in what was righteous it released my spirit and I felt free free from shackles that I was putting on myself on my own conscience and walking in goodness and that's what it says in James James chapter 4 this is a couple different versions this is the amplified and NIV So any person who knows what is right to do, but does not do it, to him it is sin. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, the good, it is sin for them. This is what it means to walk by the Spirit, walking in close step with the Holy Spirit. Because when we know what's right, when we know what is good, when we know and in our spirit, we're walking by the Spirit and he's staying and telling us and yelling at us, this is good, And we don't do it a we miss out B we we put shackles back on our hands on our conscience and three it it affects everything around us it affects how we worship God it affects how we pray it affects how we worship it it affects how we how we read his word it affects our relationship with others in our families and in our in, in our church and this is why it is so important to seek what is good what is right? To walk in freedom—that's God's desire. That's why He created everything good in the beginning. And He saw that man was not was not alone, and He said that is not good. But then, when He did create the marriage, this relationship with mankind, He said that is very good. Walking in right relationship with God and others is very good. When we walk in freedom. Galatians 5 says, for you are called to be free, brothers and sisters. Only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. There it is. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out or you will be consumed by one another. I say then, walk by the Spirit and you will not can uh, certainly uh, you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh for the de- the, f- the f- sorry for the flesh desires that which is against the spirit and the spirit desires what is against the flesh these are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want but if you were led by the spirit you are not under the law now the works of the flesh pfft, they're obvious sexual immorality that's porneia moral impurity promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatreds, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I am warning you about these things as I warned you before that those who practice such things, the, basically what he's saying is though the people who these things define your life rather than God will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. Now those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. What fruit of the Spirit was Jesus indicating that the Samaritan man was exuding in our passage here today? Basically all of them. (laughs) I mean, look at it. He... Love, He was loving this guy, joy, because he was, maybe maybe he may not have been happy, but this serving out of it. So it was, you know, peace, that flourishing, he was cultivating flourishing. He was having patience because he had to stop and and take care of this guy. He was being kind. He was cultivating goodness, faithfulness to God, gentleness with the guy, and self-control. Because he self-controlled to do what he knew was right, to do what, you know, the good that he knew right in front of him. So really he was exuding all of them. For the most part, it is God. I want to remind of, remind us of this. It ain't you that cultivates tove in your life. It's not us that does this. That does the work of cultivating this tove in our lives. It is God. Like our salvation, we don't earn it or create it, but we press into God's presence in our lives and he cultivates the growth. Like he says in First Corinthians 3, neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. This man, you know, this illustration is, is Jesus is trying to, or not in this, but you know, in our passage today, this illustration is Jesus is saying, this is a man who has been walking with God, not just doing good things for God. Because who are the two people he used as examples? A priest and a Levite. They're are very similar. The, these guys are, are people who are high up in the temple, high up. These you know be people in the, you know, who serve the Lord in these different towns, in the synagogues. Expert in the law. Actually, you know, probably was one of these guys. Expert in the law, probably a Levite. he was saying that this Samaritan spent more time loving God than both of those guys who were supposed to be known for loving God. This is like a pastor went and he like passed by on one side. And then a a priest went and he passed on the other side. These two characters that were supposed to be people that were in the word all the time, but also, you know, experiencing God all the time and, and teaching others how to follow God and to love God with all their mind, heart, soul, and strength. And teaching each other, teaching the people of God how to love one another and to love their neighbor as themselves. But then you got this guy who everyone assumes is, A, accursed, a, you know, is apostate, a, 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 a mudblood, you know, this, this guy of tainted blood of Samaria because of long histories against them, like we talked about. And he's saying that this guy proved that he actually knew God more and knew God's heart and understood what Tov was, what living a life of Tov meant. Why? Because he probably spent more time with God than even those guys. This guy knew the heart of God. What did he say? Who proved? Who proved? To be a neighbor, who proved that he knew what goodness was? This other guy. This is what it means to walk by the Spirit, to to know God and to know His Word, to know His character, to know His heart. To walk by the Spirit. What does it say? To live by the Spirit. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. If we claim that we know the Lord Jesus, that we have proclaimed our faith in Him and made Him Lord of our lives and pledged allegiance to Him, and we say that we are wanting to walk by His Spirit, we got to keep in step with the Spirit every moment, every day with the Lord God so that everything we think and do is that we are keeping in step with. Not only that we're walking with the Holy Spirit, that, what is, that doesn't mean that we just pray once or twice a day. It means that we are keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. Every step that we take throughout the day, it's not like this you know, conscious like, you know, oh Holy Spirit, what should I do now? Oh Holy Spirit, how should I drive in this nail? Oh Holy Spirit, how do I you know, do this flooring thing right here? Oh Holy Spirit, how do I, how do I train this dog in this moment? You know, it, it is walking by the Spirit. It means pursuing what is good, what you know to be right. Every decision we make, being mindful to say, what is truly good in this moment? What is the heart of God in this moment where my wife and I are having an argument? When, I, when my child is being a little poop and I want to smack him upside his head. Lost my game boy. original 1992 it's okay we found it (laughs) (laughs) we keep in step every decision we make we make being mindful and this is where the development happens this this is not gonna happen overnight guys. doing this doing this we're not gonna do this perfectly this is a pursue this we pursue this mindset we we develop this in our in our in our own personal lives and in our families and we also develop this as a culture of Tove in God's church then this this means that we as a church everything that we decide to do and every every decision we, that we pursue in our act groups and in our ministry and how we live our lives in the church how we lead the church as elders and people in the church is every decision we make we desire to do good to cultivate good and what that means is that we we, we do persistent acts of grace because persistent acts of grace create a Tov culture filled with grace. And there's a lot of what that means. Because, right, I mean, I'm reading this book right now. Almost eh, a little over halfway done. So this is one of the books that, we're, um, that I'm reading for my pastor's meeting with the LLC. Uh, lifelong Leadership Communities um, with, uh, with a bunch of fellow American Baptist pastors. And so this, this book is a, is a very interesting read in that it's talking more about uh, creating cultures, forming a goodness culture that resists abuses of power and promotes healing. Now, he uses some illustrations from some megachurches that he's been a part of that were very painful, that were very hurtful, and they were very not tov. They're all about protecting the celebrity at the top. They're all about protecting the church's reputation in the community. And I'm going to go so far as to say that I have had several experiences in the church that were very negative over the years. And I'm just now realizing the, you know, the depth of a lot of the brokenness in my own heart when it comes to how I interpret church and processing through those things. That's one of the things that I've been working through with my counselor is processing through a lot of the hurt from, from the past. The church firing my dad in Riverside and completely destroying our family, but that was the thing. It wasn't just the way that, you know, how, what they did. It was how they did it. What they said, instead of saying the truth of we, you know, this other guy, this this group of of parents don't like my dad, this guy wants his job over here, and they flooded the pastor's office with with complaints because my dad wouldn't let her junior, you know, her, her bring a junior high son on a high school mission trip and just all these you know angers and conflict that were going on. Instead of saying, let's get a meeting together to deal with the conflict, the pastor basically just succumbed and said, you're no longer effective as a youth pastor. I'm asking you to resign. That was the truth of how that went down. But what they said was, oh, David is going on to a new ministry opportunity. We are blessing him in Jesus' name and we pray the best for he and his family. And that was a slap in the face to me and my family. And I've known several other people who have gone through situations in pastoral leadership the same way. Where the church was not honest with what they were doing. The church was not honest in why they were doing certain things. Why a pastor was going away. One pastor had that I know from a while past, had molested several women in the church. Said inappropriate things from the, from the pulpit. And they said, that, and they didn't reveal anything. They didn't, they, they kept it under wraps to protect the reputation of, this, of the church. Lots of different brokenness, and so this is this book is is taking a lot of talking about a lot of that, not just what churches do, but how they do it. Now there are elements of wisdom in in concealing certain things. There there is wisdom in in concealing the gravity of certain things, right? You know, to to cover, to to keep a secret. You know, keep a you know secret in the church is to cover multitude of sins, right? We want to be graceful. We want to have grace for one another, have grace for pastors, have grace for each other in the church if we make stupid decisions, have this posture of grace. But the Bible talk has a lot to say about grace and truth. Being honest with each other. Forgiving one another in the church. But in order to fully forgive one another in the church, we've got to be fully honest with each other. This is why cultivating relationships and community is such a big deal. So that we can create opportunities to exude and participate in and extend persistent acts of grace. So that we can, be, we can have a church culture filled with grace. So that even if we do mess up, it is a free space to admit it to say, guys, I messed up. I sinned. Knowing that the ones in the church will say, there's grace and we're going to walk with you through this. Some things aren't going going to need a change in your life. There's going to be accountability in this, but it's an accountability of TOF. It's an accountability of grace. A culture of as we read in our passage here today what is the thing we're getting to like what is the whole point of this passage that jesus is getting to it's creating a culture jesus is, is pinpointing this his and, is, and is, he's speaking this to this 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 lawyer this lawyer guy but he's speaking to his disciples he's saying we need to create a culture of empathy and compassion empathy and compassion Always creating a, a culture of tove in the church, a, a culture of empathy and, and compassion for one another in the church. Empathy and compassion in our relationships with each other, with church leadership, as church leadership makes decisions. Sometimes we're going to agree with church leadership. Sometimes we're not. But having this culture of empathy and compassion and faithfulness that they that, and trust that you believe that God is leading your leaders and so entrusting us as the elders to cultivate an, a culture of goodness a culture of grace a culture where we are seeking the heart of God to lead you spiritually cove tove cultures are characterized by doing what is right because it is good and right in and of itself And here's just a quick quote from this book that I want to wrap our, our time up with here this morning. That Tove cultures are the work of God's spirit set free to create Tove and the eight other fruitful attributes outlined by Paul in Galatians 5. What God has in mind is a loving, joyful, flourishing, patient, kind Tove faithful and self-controlled body of believers about whom he can say that's it that's what i designed that's good that is tov and that takes us individuals acting out goodness to develop a goodness culture in the church because when people come to a church we don't just come together and join a join in what we're doing we join a culture of how we do what we do how we pursue God together and so in our minds we would be praying for that we praying for yourself individually how do i pursue tove in my life how do i pursue a tove culture in my family and then us as a church say how do we in every at every step Cultivate a Tov culture in our church. In the good times, the difficult times, the bad times, and the joyful times. How do we create and cultivate a culture of Tov? Jesus, we pray here today as we wrap up. God, I I pray your blessing on that word Tov. That we would live lives defined by goodness. As you designed it as you cultivated it Lord as you desire it Lord I pray that you would help us to walk in step with you that we would live and walk by your spirit that we would spend our lives in your word and spending spend time in prayer spend time in relationship and encouragement with one another as we press in and and seek your heart and how we make every decision of our lives Let us seek you, God, in everything that we do. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.